Last week, last week uh, we talked about the Passover. Let me read, read again here. we read last week on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus and asked where do you want uh, want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover um, so that's what last week was all about they, they, they were making preparations for the Passover the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared for the Passover last week we talked about the history behind what Passover was all about um, the, the origins of Passover and in, in Exodus chapter 12, it says, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you, you and your descendants. When you, when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And that's what I want to talk about today. The, the, the observe this ceremony. Um, the ceremony that would have happened after the Passover, the, the ceremony that, that Jesus and the disciples were we're getting ready to, to celebrate. Um, the, the ceremony had been, had been practiced for 1,500 years before Jesus entered this, this earth. Um, 1,500 years before. And, 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 and this all leads us to the passage today. In verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So, so Jesus introduces to us a new ordinance. They, they were celebrating this, the ordinance of the, the Passover, the, the ceremony of the Passover. And, and, and because of what I just read, something brand new happened. And, and my question to us today is, what does this ceremony mean to you? What does this ordinance mean to you? And, and you think, maybe, maybe you come from a Catholic background. Uh, the, uh, the Catholic Church calls this time the Eucharist. Eucharist is, I think, it's Latin for the word blessing, the blessing, um, and, and do it a little different than, than what we do. The, the Protestant church, um, we call it communion. It comes from the Greek word koine, um, communion, or, or it's referred to as the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. Um, to, to the early disciples, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, meant everything. It seemed like in the book of Acts, whenever they came together, they always broke bread together in remembrance of what Jesus had done for them. It was a, a very sacred moment, very special occasion, um, and they practiced it often. To some people in our world, it means nothing. Like, it's, you, know, you, take a, you take some bread, you take the cup. I don't get it. I don't understand. It becomes a meaningless ritual. You know, it's what you do every week is what you're supposed to do. But I don't understand. I don't get it, you know. Is that you? Is it, is it just a meaningless ceremony, meaningless ordinance that you don't understand, you don't comprehend? 
You know, think about think about the disciples on that night when they were pre- preparing Passover, when they when they celebrated Passover with Jesus. I wonder about the disciples themselves. How did they feel about that night? Was it a meaningless ritual to them? You know, because we do it every year. They've done it every year their whole life. Um, they're just going through the motions. You know, you got to do this and you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this, and 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 that's what you do. You know, uh, and, but it, can they even relate to it? It's something that happened fifteen hundred years before. Did it make any sense to them? Is this just something you do? So I'm kind of curious about the disciples and, and their take on, on that night when Jesus broke the bread and he, he, he took the cup. I wonder about the disciples. Have you ever wondered about Jesus that night, on that night? That night is the night that he was betrayed and arrested. He went to the cross. That night, can you imagine the emotions he was going through? And what was he thinking as he introduced the Lord's Supper to, to his disciples? It, it, says in a, it says in Luke 22, this is what Jesus says. He says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have eagerly desired. Jesus was very excited about this moment, about this occasion. This morning, I want to lead us through a Seder supper, the, the, the Passover ceremony. And, and, and be mindful, this is, the Jews have been doing this for 2,500 years, 3,500 years. I don't know. I didn't do the math. A long time. They've been doing this for a long time. And, and for the most part, I don't think it's, it's changed much. This is, after the, the original Passover, the, the, the Israelites practiced this ceremony, what we're getting ready to do here. And, and, and I'm hoping that as we do this, maybe certain things will just come to life for you. Um, it begins with a search for any leaven in the house. Um, they, would, they would cleanse the house of any leaven. Um, they would search the house thoroughly for leaven. And, and then once they had done that and found there's no leaven, they would wash their hands just in case any leaven was on their hands. Leaven would represent sin. And, and this is to make the house holy. You've got to make the house holy. It says in Exodus 12, verse 19, for seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel, whether he is an alien or native-born. They took this pretty seriously. Get rid of the yeast. Get rid of the leaven. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the sin. I think there's a lesson here for us right there. Come to the Lord's table. Get rid of the sin. Maybe, maybe do a little search a little examination, any of that. Got to make the house holy before we go further. And then once that happens, they would light a candle, and lighting the candle makes the day holy. And, and, and then they would give the blessing, making the meal holy. And it begins with the first cup. The first, notice there's four cups up here. And, and this is something that is huge to me. I, I've never seen this until this week as I was studying. But the four cups, I knew about the four cups, but I didn't know it comes out of Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. That's where the, and, and what that says, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, Therefore say to the Israelite, Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and, a, and mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
Now, now, what I just read there, God says, you know, in four ways, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Each one of those things represents a cup, the, the, the cup of sanctification. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. It's the cup of sanctification or the cup of separation. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you from being slaves. Cup of deliverance. He says, I will, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. That's the, that's the cup of redemption. Cup of redemption. He says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. That's the cup of praise, or the cup of restoration. I've seen it called several things. Most commonly, the cup of praise. I think of it as the cup of restoration. Um, but it all begins with the first cup, the cup of sanctification, the cup of separation. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And Jesus, being the leader, he would have taken the cup and he would have, he would have blessed the cup. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, for you've chosen us from all people and you've lifted us up over all the nations and you've made us holy. And you have given us, O Lord our God, in love, appointed times for rejoicing, festivals and, and festive seasons where we can rejoice, such as this feast, the blessed anniversary of our freedom, a holy assembly commemorating our, our exodus from Egypt. You chose us and sanctified us from all the nations and your holy festivals in happiness and in joy. Blessed are you, God, who sanctifies the Sabbath in Israel and the holiday seasons. And after blessing the cup, he would have taken a sip, and he would have passed it to the disciples. And they would have each sipped from the cup as a sign of agreement. They understand what's going on. They agree with what's going on. God is good. God has blessed us. God has called us out. God has sanctified us. Now, one, one pastor, he says, um, a message uh, would, be, would have been shared. Uh, the beginning of all journeys is separation. You've got to leave somewhere to go somewhere else. It's also the first step towards freedom. In this time, you ignore the voice of Pharaoh inside, inside you, mocking you, saying, who are you to begin such a journey? You just get up and you walk out. And, and I just think it would be very important right now to, to take time to understand God is calling us out of something. He's separating us from something. And what is it that God wants to call you out of? What is it God wants to separate you from? to sanctify you, to make you holy? What is it in your life that's holding you back, that's got you trapped, that's got you in bondage? And God is saying, come out. I will bring you out. I, I want to help you get out. So take some time right now and, and identify with this cup. What is it that God, do you see, this is a gift from God, a blessing from God. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to, to, to bring separation between you and that bondage. You and those Egyptians, you and whatever your case is, whatever your story is. The next part of the, the ceremony is, is called the, the eating of the greens. It's a, a Hebrew word I can't say, but it's, it's eating, eating of the greens. You see right here we've got some greens. This is parsley. They would use parsley, and the parsley represents the hyssop 
that was used on the door frame. When, when they, um, I, I told you last week, on Passover, they, they took the lamb, they slaughtered the lamb on the 14th day of Nisan at twilight, and they took the blood from that lamb, and they took hyssop, and they would put it around their doorpost and door frames. And, and as they did that, 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 would, that would cause the angel of death to pass over. That's where, where, where it gets its name. The angel of death would pass over, wouldn't touch that house. So this represents a hyssop that they used to put the blood on the door frame. And they would dip it into the salt water, and they would eat it. And the salt water represents the tears they cried while they were in bondage. And over here we have the bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness they, they suffered while they were in bondage. And then we have something called karoset. Karoset. Um, first time I did this, I was like, I'm not touching this stuff. That looks, looks nasty. Um, but then I, then I touched it. I tasted it. Oh, that's good stuff right there. That's uh, apples and nuts. Put some honey in there and some cinnamon. I can imagine the Passover. This is where you know, kids are, they got their hands in this all the time. They're trying to eat this. And mom and dad says, stop eating the carousel until you eat your bitter herbs. You know, that's what they're doing. Um, so that's what I'm thinking is going on. Uh, so, so all this, is, it represents something. They, they, they're to identify with what their ancestors went through. And then there's, there's something here in the middle of the table. This, this is pretty cool. First time I went through this, the first time I saw this, this is the thing that, just amazed me more than anything else. This is called the, the matzotash. And what this is, it's a linen container. It has three pockets in it. Uh, three pockets. And in it would be matzah. Matzah bread. Which is, which is what we use in the communion plates right here. The matzah bread, I think I got a picture of it. Did I got this, a, a picture of matzah? There you go. Um, if you can't see this one, there it is. Uh, it, it, this is. It's been made like this for 2,500 years. It hasn't changed. It's unleavened. Unleavened. It's got to be unleavened because you've got to get all the yeast out of the house. got to get all the leaven out of the house. I don't know if it has to be unleavened throughout the rest of the year, but during Passover, it has to be unleavened. And, and, and it's very interesting. It's been made like this for 2,500 years, and there's, there's holes in it. You see the holes? You see the holes in there? Like it, it's, it's been pierced with something. And it's got stripes. Very interesting here that it's got stripes like that. Um, I wonder, wonder if that means anything. You think? And, and why, why the three compartments here? What's that mean? What's, what's all that about? Three compartments symbolizing one unit, but all in unity. Been doing it like this since the beginning of Passover. And nobody knows why. They can't tell. They, maybe, maybe it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe it's what this stands for here, the three compartments. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Or maybe it's the law and the prophets and the books of wisdom. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, earth, wind, and fire. I don't know. You know just, nobody knows. Nobody knows. But Jesus would have taken it that night, and he would have taken the matzah out of the middle compartment, the middle compartment, and he would have broke it. And, and the, the small piece they put back into the, the compartment here. Close that up. Close that up. And the larger piece, this is pretty cool. The larger piece gets wrapped up in this little linen cloth right here, and it's called the Africanum. 
if I'm saying that right. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, but this is a little game they play here. They, they, go, they hide this in the house someplace. They hide it, and later on, they're going to tell the kids to go find it, which is really cool. Go, go find that, that's That's called the dessert. Go find the dessert. Uh, it, it represents the manna from heaven, the bread of life. Interesting stuff there. And, and I'm just saying, what, why the three compartments and matzah and, and that's, that's, that's unleavened, that, that's pierced, that's striped? Could this be the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Interesting stuff there. Um, so I got so much more I want to say about that. that um, the, so the, 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 in, in Isaiah 53, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was, tr- he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Made that way for 2,500 years. 500 years before Jesus was crucified. But why the three pockets? I would tell you, the Israelites didn't know. They didn't know. Now, to a Christian, I think it's pretty obvious what that's all about. Why remove the middle piece? Why break it? And as Jesus was doing it, maybe it was here that he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. At that point in the ceremony, um, there's a part where the youngest child asks four questions. It's the same questions every year. The youngest child who's participating is supposed to ask the questions. Now, I'm thinking in the upper room with Jesus and the 12 disciples, I don't know who the youngest disciple would have been. Maybe it was Nathaniel, maybe the Bartholomew, you know, Philip, I don't know, Andrew. I don't know which one was the youngest, but they would have been called on, okay, now it's your time to ask the four questions. And they're probably going to complain, why me? Because you're the youngest. Well, I did it last year. Well, you're still the youngest, okay? We didn't add any more new disciples. You're the youngest. You got to do it. But the questions are, why do we eat the matzah? And why do we eat the bitter herbs? Why do we dip the herbs twice? And why do we eat it while we're reclining? And, and as they ask the four questions, it gives the, the host a chance to tell the story of all that God had done for them. Um, so, so and, and I won't go through that today because I felt like I did much of that last week. But they retell of God's mighty acts of of deliverance, all that God had done for Israel. And it's very important that, that each person participating identify with this. We're not talking about the Israelites long ago. We're talking about what God has done for us. We identify with the Israelites. We identify with all they went through. This is what God has done for us. Not for them, but for all of us. God has done this for us. Another thing that is very important is... When you think about the judgments that God pronounced on on Egypt, the Israelites were not to gloat. You don't rejoice in their misery and their suffering. You mourn for what the Egyptians suffered, what they lost. That's a very important point to me. Because how often do we gloat um, over our enemies? We want revenge over our enemies. And God's word said, no, you don't do that. Because God's heart was crushed for the Egyptians, just as much as for anybody else. But God's judgment, God's wrath came, 
And, and they were to remember each one of these judgments and mourn for the Egyptians. Now, a full cup of wine would be a cup of joy. But because they were to take time and mourn for the loss of the Egyptians, they would take a drop of wine for each one of the judgments, for the blood turning to uh, the, the Nile turning to blood, for the frogs, for the gnats, the hail, the livestock dying, the locusts, the darkness. Remember, the darkness was so thick you could you could feel it. For the loss of, of firstborn, everyone who lost their firstborn that night. And they would take time and remember the judgments that God pronounced on Egypt. And then at that point, only at that point, then they would take the cup, the cup of deliverance. And they would remember all that God had done to deliver them. And they would bless the cup. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, I, I just think it would be appropriate to, to, to think about what has God delivered you from? What has God freed you from? At that point, they would sing a song. I think it's called Dayanu, uh, the Dayanu um, which translates to, it would have been enough. It would have been enough. And I don't have this written down. I wish I wrote, wrote it down. It would have been enough if, if God only did this. It would have been enough if only God did that. It would have been enough if God only. But you think about, you think about all that God has done. He's, he's done this. He's done that. He's done that. He's done this. All these things that God has done for us to bring us to this point, to separate us, to deliver us. Oh, it would have been, he didn't have to do all that he did. We would have been satisfied with just one or two things. We would have been happy with that. But he's done so much more. He's done so much more. At that point in the ceremony, after they sing the song, then they would have eaten the meal. And I think this, this is eye-opening to the typical Christian who thinks the Lord's Supper is just a cracker and a cup of wine. I mean, how fulfilling is that, you know? Um, but the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, was so much more than that. I mean, they had the lamb, they had the mashed potatoes, the apple pie, they had it all. It was Thanksgiving. That's, Passover is basically Thanksgiving to the, to, uh, the Israelites. Um, and, and they would have... They would have taken time to eat. That's why people were so excited about Passover. As you are about Thanksgiving, they would have been excited about this night because it's going to be good. The food's going to be good that night. And after they do the first half of the ceremony and they begin the meal, then they take time to just reflect on the goodness of God. They're talking about all these things that God had done for them. And I believe it was during this time that Jesus got up and washed the disciples' feet. And, and, and remember, Peter was like, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm washing your feet. No, no, Lord, no, no. And, and, and Jesus says, if you don't allow me to wash you, you can have no part of me. And then Peter says, wash everything. And Jesus says, knock, knock it off. No, that's not what I mean. Um, but it, that would have happened then. And another thing, I skipped, I skipped a couple of verses here in Matthew 26. We talked about the Passover. They prepared for the Passover. We, we talked about Jesus breaking the bread. Well, between all that, in verse 20, this is Matthew 26, verse 20, um, 
when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, while they were eating the meal, he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me tonight. And they were very sad. And they began to say to him one after another, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus, Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand to the bowl with, with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. We're, we're going to talk about Judas in a couple weeks. But um, just want you to know that happened during the meal. Also what happened during the meal, um, Jesus turned to Peter and says, You're going to deny me three times tonight. No, no, I would never do that. Yeah, you're going, you're going to deny me. It was during the meal he would have talked to them about how he's going to prepare a place for them. He would have told them about how the Holy Spirit's going to come. He would have told all these things. John chapter 13, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, all that would have happened while they're reclining at the table, while they're eating the lamb, all these things going on. Um, and then after the meal was over with, and we know it was after the meal because 1 Corinthians 11 says, in the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. So it says, after the supper, he took the cup. Well, that means it would have been the third cup. This is the cup that he would have taken, the third cup, the cup of redemption. Exodus chapter 6 says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. The cup of redemption. It's been called that for 3,500 years. Jesus would have taken this cup. He would have given thanks. He would have offered it to them, saying, drink it, all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of, of sins. Says, this is my cup, my blood. And with this, with this blood, I'm going to redeem you. And your sins will be wiped out. Your sins will be forgiven. And, and my question to you at this point is, what does that mean to you? I, I take you through the whole ceremony to get to this point. What, what does this mean to you? I, I think too often, we Christians, we, every Sunday, we, we, we take the bread, we take the cup. And we sing the next song, and we go about our day. I mean, did we take time to remember? Did we take time to connect? Did we take time to understand what Jesus has done for us? This is my blood. And with this, I'm going to redeem you. What does that mean to you, to be redeemed? What did it cost? What was the price? What were we bought from? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, says, For you, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were, were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious 
blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It says it wasn't with silver or gold. I'm thinking if it was silver or gold, you know, then we could calculate that, like a million dollars, you know, two million dollars. How much is Jesus' blood worth? His life. He gave his life to free you from your sins. How much is that worth? Romans 6, verse 18, you have been set free. That's what this cup did. It set us free. You've been set free from your sins. And now we are slaves to righteousness. Gladly, gladly we are slaves to righteousness because of what we've been set free from. Romans 6, verse 22, for now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Maybe communion doesn't mean much to some people because they don't understand the bondage they once were in. The bondage that we have been freed from. Maybe they don't understand, they don't comprehend the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Maybe they don't comprehend the cost. They haven't taken time to understand what it cost. So communion is no big deal. It doesn't mean much. But Jesus says, this is my blood. The blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember the, the bread that was hidden? The avocanum? The dessert? The dessert? I kind of forgot about this. this. During the meal, they would have sent the kids out to go find the, the avocanum. Uh, you know, a little, a little game of hide and go seek. You know, they, the, the parents hide it, and then they go, go find the dessert. Go find the bread. There's a, there's a lesson right there. Are you encouraging your children, hey, go, go look for Jesus. Go look for Jesus. Search for Jesus. Go find the, the dessert. Well, the, the kids would have come back during the meal, and I'm wondering, maybe it was then when they, they brought it back. Maybe that's when Jesus would have broke it. This is my body. Broken for you. Eat. In this cup, Jesus said, this is my blood. The blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. This is my body. This is my blood. Given for you. That's what Jesus said. Gracious Father, as we think about what you've done for us, how you have sanctified us, how you have delivered us, how you have redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ, Father God, you are so good to us. You've done so much for us. And Lord God, I pray that we take time right now to remember all that you've done for us and why you did it, because you want, you want us to be free so we can worship you, so we can live for you, so we can enjoy you. So Father God, I thank you for your son who willingly gave his body and gave his blood for our salvation. Father God, we give you all the glory.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you now, as we always do, as the Lord leads, go to the one of the tables, take the body, take the cup, and remember what Christ has done for you.
forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus cups up here. We've only talked about three of them so far. Yeah. It's fourth cup. What is this? What is, what is this? The cup of praise. Or what I call the cup of restoration. It comes from Exodus 6 verse 7. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Let me read that again. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. In Luke 22, Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Which leads us to believe he didn't, he didn't drink from this, this cup that night. He took the other three cups, but this cup he abstained from that night. Why, why would Jesus abstain from that cup? And I wonder if he, to this day, still has not drunk from that cup. He has still not drunk from the cup of praise yet. Because it's a, it's a cup of restoration. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And maybe he hasn't drank from this cup yet, because he's still waiting for you. He wants you to enter his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to be in eternity with him forever. God is waiting for you. Jesus is waiting for you. So as we close out today, I, I want to ask you, where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Are you far, far, far away or have you embraced him and accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And if you've not made him your Lord and Savior, would you do that today? Jesus is waiting for you.